Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And we are returning to the big screen for the first time this year for Naughty... I was going to say Naughty Dogs Uncharted, but how much does Naughty Dog involve themselves in this? Um, I don't think necessarily a great deal. I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, general support. But, you know, whichever way you cut it, this is a Sony production this is a playstation production through and through the first playstation production Mm. even under the uh, playstation productions banner i just feel every film company which has that marvel-esque logo where they show their characters it just seems just i feel like marvel earned that and whenever i see like all those superheroes in the dc logo it's just faintly ridiculous i'm sorry Snyder was, fans. <laughs> but it was a very disappointing logo, I have to say. I mean, it was nice to see Ratchet and Clank, our favourites, all over again. But it was just very, you know, so what? It's just like these stock images and these character models we've seen before, bathed in blue. Very oh, disappointing. Totally, I'll totally be eating my words when the Mario movie comes around and they show like a mushroom and a star, and then like a Hyrule <laughs> Triforce. Because... um. I don't like to identify so much as a Nintendo kid because I have owned other consoles in the past. I've dallied, but um, I have got a more of a connection to Nintendo, so I've completely not experienced the Uncharted games. And you've played them all, I believe. All the mainland, mainline titles. Just a bit of a heads up. We had technical issues, so some of this conversation might sound like we've had it before. (laughs) Um, And this is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, but uh, well, yeah, apologies for that. But yes, so for you, this is uncharted territory. Yeah, it was funnier the first time (laughs) I heard that. But yes, yes, very good. Um, Yeah, so I didn't play the series as they came out, but I caught up with the Nathan Drake collection which was released on ps4 which was remasters of the first three ps3 titles which started off in 2007 with uncharted drake's fortune so i've played those three and a thief's end which was uncharted 4 released in 2016 for ps4 there was a ps vita game golden abyss i have not played and i have not played the lost legacy which is sort of a kind of follow-up to uncharted 4 but those Four main titles is the kind of Nathan Drake story, and they are Naughty Dog Games, originally created by Amy Hennig, and uh, also different games co-written by Neil Druckmann, who is also, I guess, the main Naughty Dog head honcho at the moment, and it is very much involved with The Last of Us, TV series uh, right. coming out for HBO, but I don't think there was as much direct involvement with Naughty Dog and the makers of this film, but I have seen cordial roundtable interviews with Neil Druckmann and Tom Holland and Ruben Fleischer, the director and the head of PlayStation production. So it's clearly like a kind of big Sony PlayStation product family yeah, gathering. I was gonna, just to say, it feels to me very Sony and um, I'm not going to show my hand quite yet, but maybe... <laughs> Oh, I'll say it, actually. I didn't like this one very much. But I think it's less the film's problem and it's more just like putting on his Martin Scorsese glasses, just the state of cinema right now. <laughs> and maybe it's also because this film was shot. I think they got one day in the can before the pandemic shut down the production. Um, yes, and it's very much a tortured production and pre-production and development 
history. So yeah, the, the trivia yeah. section on IMDb is mostly this actor was going to go for the role, this actor because wanted to have the role, and this and all these people are considered. And it's like, wow, it's not much trivia about the film itself. It looks like, um, but yeah, I mean. <laughs> we'll talk about more about the production in just a moment but yeah just i guess to get it off my chest really it's just i find it very dissatisfying disheartening i should say when you see like tom holland sailing on the boat with like some cliffs behind him and it all the background looks fake and i i, I don't like to be like oh it's so fake and therefore it's rubbish but you know it's the, the thing with these sort of films is that they're kind of travelogues and if you're not feeling like you're traveling anywhere it does seem really lame <laughs> um i think yeah there is a certain degree as to which maybe making this kind of globe trotting movie during a pandemic when you couldn't trot the globe mm-hmm. was maybe a kind of bad idea <laughs> and i've recently been disappointed by the the production David Tennant as Felius Fogg in Around the World in 80 Days. And again, I think that was entirely shot in South Africa. And I was just thinking about Austin Powers going, isn't it amazing how England looks nothing like Southern, Southern California? Because <laughs> everything, you can tell what the, you can tell what the light is like in South Africa, you know, because you see, you can tell what's filmed in, in, in the wrong place. And, and also, I guess we'll talk about characterization shortly, but David Tennant's characterization. I love the man, but he was nothing. He was not my fog. And not going <laughs> to do any jokes about lions. He was, just, he was just categorically not the fog of the books. The quite racist books. Okay. <laughs> book, I should say. Well, this kind of ties into, I guess, when it comes to translating those Uncharted games into a feature film, and because of the development, the long gestation period that it has gone through, uh, to finally reach the Uncharted that we have on our screens, there are clearly different ways they could have gone with that. And man of the moment, Tom Holland, it seems that people... He has been a box office drawer. I didn't know whether a Spider-Man would have been the thing that had got people you know, going to Spider-Man. Well, that's what I'm just... What I'm trying to say is that I didn't think he necessarily would have been able to bring in the box office. And, you know, the Uncharted games are very much, are very well liked. They're very much enjoyed and um, fans of the games view them very, very fondly. Hmm. And I enjoy those games very much as well. They are sort of very, at least the first game, very action heavy. It's lots of running and gunning and climbing. I mean, there's lots from a distance. It seems like this is a franchise, this is a gaming franchise. It was like, what it, what what's it would be like to be in a movie is like being in an yes. action movie yes it's it's a game which relies uh quite a lot on action set pieces so it's you running around and usually avoiding explosions or you're in a kind of car chase or you're dangling off a precipice um there's loads of uh moments which you know and some of them replicated as well in the film where you are in these moments of complete peril dangling off a thread usually you know you're grabbing onto a rock face and bits of it are crumbling in your hand as you're trying to leap from one you know part of a crumbling ruin to another bit of a crumbling ruin so it definitely makes you feel like you're in the moment but also i think it's not just the action set pieces and uh, the games i think the first game was very kind of just shooty shooty you know in this film tom holland doesn't kill about 300 people as he, as you do in a usual uncharted game. i know but we're talking about this film around about the time of our anniversary in, uh, of games of film and that's when we traditionally do a tomb raider film yes um, <laughs> and like in like in the alicia vakunda tomb raider film and in this there comes a point where like no, okay, I'm a murderer now. Yes. <laughs> and he just, it's just like that weird thing where I, I guess these guys are all bad guys, but yes. you did just ice a guy. <laughs> so, yeah. And for, 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 for gold. Yeah. People were, for, many people would kill for $5 billion worth of bullion. Yes, I guess so. I, I guess no, I would, actually, admittedly. So, yeah. sorry. But I think the the crucial thing which makes the sets the Uncharted series out from just being a kind of 
fun action adventure style game is actually the script and the dialogue is always really good the characters oh. are very endearing and i think you as the series progresses you hold a lot of affection for nathan for sully um and you know the various kind of supporting characters that come their way so you know as much as it's fun to like find this missing treasure and it's always kind of based on something you know in actual history that you maybe or maybe not have heard of but there's some sort of basis to it and you have these exotic locations and you know these exciting set pieces what keeps it fun and entertaining is the kind of sparky dialogue and the personality that the games have and and naughty dog as a as a games company is very good at at doing so you're saying a good uncharted film needs endearing characters and good dialogue <laughs> okay i'm just making an, i'm making a note of that for later. um <laughs> but what i'm what i'm just sort of what i was getting round to is that i didn't know necessarily just how much the uncharted name beyond those who played the games or maybe own a playstation holds what cachet that has but it it turns out and whether it's tom holland or uncharted or a combination of the two that actually it's done to my surprise pretty well at the box office it's already made around 140 million dollars worldwide its opening box office weekend was pretty strong it's the fourth largest video game movie box office weekend in the u.s sitting behind sonic pikachu and the original Lara Croft, Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. So it's it's doing fairly all right, and they're already talking about its franchise potential. And I mean, I think they went into this very cynically, anticipating the franchise potential, but it could have died at the box office, and it, mm-hmm. it kind of hasn't. So I I, I, yeah. I kind of myself a little bit surprised. Well, weirdly, I mean, although I've... I have basically shown my hand and said I didn't think much of this film. I'm kind of not surprised because I actually, as an outsider, I mean, you you were saying, I wonder if outsiders care about Uncharted. I mean, I'm an outsider and I know Uncharted is huge. And I remember the buzz whenever an Uncharted game comes out. And I think the gameplay, cinematic and action-packed as it is, is a very good selling point. So you can see, well, that looks like fun to play. And then if you if you look at the nitty-gritty, it's just quick time events a lot of the time. <laughs> but still, it's... um. You know, I, I'm. It is Sony is comfortably still really the biggest name in gaming, and so I'm not surprised that when it's its premier exclusives does extremely well at the box office. But uh, yeah, let's wait. Let's wait for the second weekend for that drop off. Maybe <laughs> there are places out there you can't find on any map. They're not gone. They're just lost. Hey, kid. I'm a little young for a bartender, aren't you? A little old for prom, aren't you? Everything in here. Why the map? This is the path that Ferdinand Magellan took to sail around the world. You know your history. It's the biggest treasure that's never been found. Five billion easy. I think you're here because you're your brother. Well, you know my brother, Sam. find that gold, you find him too. Who the hell is this? I'm a friend of Sully's. Sully doesn't have any friends. I should know I'm one of them. You are a collector. Well, I dabble. I don't dabble. My family has been looking for this fortune for a very long time. So much blood. I'm pretty sure he's just threatening to kill me. Don't touch your ear like that. You look like an idiot. You have no idea who you partnered with. I've been dreaming about this stuff since I was a kid. My brother Sam left one final clue.
my God. I shouldn't have come out to play with a big boy's wing because you're about to get a proper Scottish welcome. What? Exclusively in movie theaters. But I, you know, it's it's been a very long road for the games to make it to the big screen, and um, I think it's been very well documented. Not least because they keep on announcing directors who then leave the project <laughs> shortly after. You know, first game came out in two thousand and seven, and a film version has been in development since two thousand and eight. And I think the first notable names attached uh, was David O. Russell as director back in 2010 and Mark Wahlberg to be cast originally as Nathan Drake. Uh, He makes his appearance here instead as Victor Sully Sullivan. I did get a bit of a thrill how like this film features count him to video game movie guys we've got we got max Payne here and we've got x of x versus sever fame and spiked 3d <laughs> and Sp- he's in spiked 3d of course wow is this is like golden headphones for the like three <laughs> golden joysticks or that's something else david russell originally announced in 2010 and i think there was talk of robert de niro and joe pesci also joining that movie whoa um but <laughs> yeah but that would have um, been his bad grandpa era uh, or maybe or even been... earlier than that. Mm. Maybe Little Fockers era. Yeah. I mean, I still can't believe Robert De Niro is in the Joker movie, which is a few years old now, but I think, yeah. Whatevs. I've still not seen <laughs> The Irishman. I've got no intention to. <laughs> you just watched Joker twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but other directors who came and went include Neil Berger, director of who limitless and i think he went to do divergent instead seth gordon director of king of corner fistful of quarters um as well as horrible bosses and he went on to do baywatch instead sean levy director of free guy um and so they're going for a certain type type of director i was going to say financial level of director i I suppose affordability and yeah i i think then after that tom holland was then cast back in 2017 and then dan trachtenberg director of 10 cloverfield lane as well as that black mirror playtest episode and he's going to do the new predator movie prey he was going to be director in 2019 but then he dropped out then it was travis knight director of kubo and the two strings and transformers bumblebee he dropped out, and then finally, finally, we make it to Ruben Fleischer, director of Venom, Zombieland, and Gangster Squad, mm-hmm. who this director's chair must have gone through so many pieces of fabric. <laughs> yeah, know? rebranding, like um, taking an essence. I mean, I was quite disappointed with the direction of this film as well. Um because I, I really like Zombieland. Zombieland, I think if we ever did an episode about video game movies which aren't technically video game movies, like Zombieland would comfortably fit into the adaptation of Left for Dead Fold. Um, mm. But, you know, I think it might be unfair to compare a director to Steven Spielberg and to compare this film to one of the greatest movies of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I was really thinking about how like the MacGuffin is filmed in this. Like there's a a lot of the plot is revolving like a a golden cross, which has a few functions as a key and things. And you know, I was thinking about the start of Raids of Lost Ark, where the camera pulls into that fertility fertility idol and it's just a piece of plastic or or like, you know plaster spray painted gold by the way the camera pulls in and the light falls upon it and john williams's music rises you're completely convinced it's utterly valuable and people will die for it but i just felt everything was just filmed really flat and boring here and it is doubly surprising when there's some great camera work in Zombieland, and i think even venom i'm not sure if that looked great actually <laughs> I enjoyed it. Does have, it does have my favourite song ever written. Eminem's Venom. Venom. 
Uh-huh. And my wife and I just after seeing the film, we're just like, even now, we still just like, you know, something like, like you know, everything will be quiet. And then all of a sudden, one of us will just go, Ba-dum, 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 Have you seen the Yes. And that's got a scene when Venom goes to a club where someone's singing a song about Venom, which I think she wrote in real life. And because the film was set in America, but shot in London, they could get her in the club. Well, what a time to be alive. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I um, I don't have many notes for the director other than do better. <laughs> well, I, I just read an interview with him because, you know, I, I was interested to just gauge his relationship with the game and whether it was just a case of, hey, you made a Sony movie, uh, make this Sony movie. And he did Pretty say much. that he played the first game when it came out and he was drawn to it because he was such a big fan of Indiana Jones. And mm-hmm. Dr. Jones himself gets a name check. And actually, the villain of the piece, Antonio Banderas, is appearing in Indiana Jones 5, I believe. So, you know, it it, it courts those similarities and, and, you know, crossover. And maybe it's not the best thing to invoke the name of Indiana Jones um, no. without then delivering. Um, but at the other thing, which was part of his approach, and I think he said he was a history major, so he was interested in antiquity anyway. Um, but the other approach and the key thing about the casting of Tom Holland was they wanted to tell the story of Nathan Drake that no one had seen before and distinguish it from the games. So as well as keeping the fans interested, it's offering them something new, which speaks to the fact that the focus of this is a sort of origins story and we have a younger than he appears at least in the main portions of uncharted version of nathan drake now in the uncharted games in uncharted 3 we do at one point play as a young teenage nathan drake and we find out how he meets sully for the first time in uncharted 4 which this film very much heavily draws from because up until this point in the games, we weren't aware that Nathan had a brother, whereas mm-hmm. this is the whole focus of Uncharted the film. We also play as an even younger version of Nathan Drake, and at the start of this film, there's like a break-in sequence where they're trying to look at Magellan's map of circumnavigating they, they the globe. They managed to find an actor younger looking than Tom <laughs> Holland, which I found incredible. It was, yeah, very impressive, good casting in that respect. Um but yeah, so there are touches of in the main games of you seeing a younger version of Nathan Drake, but you've never had this kind of like in betweeny, I suppose, <laughs> kind of time where he's he's not quite a teenager, he's not quite a man, he's he's Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> that that is just the thing, though, isn't it? Because you know, in the screen next door, they are still playing Spider Man No Way Home, and he's meant to be playing like a high school kid, and then. In this film, he's meant to be a little bit older. I'm reminded of um, Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe in The Woman in Black. And he plays like a lawyer with a wife and a child and a bit of a face, face, face. I was going to say face beard, but that's where they <laughs> usually live, isn't it? Um, and, you know, technically in that era, I'm sure people as young as him had a beard. And I think he's like in his 20s when he shot that film. It just seems still like. He's at Hogwarts being chased by a a non-nice ghost in the toilet. <laughs> and I, I think that's the issue. And it's it's something the film like jokes about and confronts. You know, the banter that he has with Mark Wahlberg as Sully, it's all very like, oh, when are you going to grow up? Oh, you know, maybe one day you'll hit puberty. And it's all this kind of stuff. It's just like, ha ha. And some of it I, I, I enjoyed. Some of the little sparky bits of dialogue there. But then it's also like, yeah, but it's still the case, though. And I think the problem is is that as as muscly as Tom Holland can make himself, the thing is is that the Nathan Drake character, like, I, I know you spend a lot of the game as Nathan Drake basically hanging on to things. Like, his upper arm body strength must be incredible, but the, his physicality is, is more, I'd say, every man. He's a, he's a bit more... He's got more physical heft, but he's not like you know, super muscly. I watched a little bit of Nathan Fillion's Uncharted movie because uh, he of um, Firefly fame and what was that detective show 
or is he a doctor? One of those American shows where they solve a case every week. Castle, that's the one. Um, <laughs> like, he was famously, everyone was like, he's got to be Nathan Drake. He's got to be Nathan Drake. And I, I do see in the game footage I've watched and his performances in things like Firefly and Serenity, that sort of everyman quality where he'll take a punch, he'll fall down, but he'll pick himself up again and keep going. Um, yeah, absolutely. I see. I see a lot of in a lot of the f- action scenes in this. You've got slightly parkour-ish Nathan Drake, where he's bouncing off walls a little bit, not excessively, but you feel like Tom Holland just can't help himself but be Spider-Man at the moment. Even his voice is exactly the same Queen's accent from Spider-Man. Oh, this guy's not messing around. He's got original copies digging back to the conquest of Malarca. Here we go. October 1511. That's right before they sailed back to Portugal on the Florida Lamar. Which is now sitting at the bottom of the Indian Ocean. I'm telling you, Nate, it's wild goose. Yeah, a wild goose worth two billion. The most valuable lost treasure in human history. Wait a minute. He's got a whole stack of letters from Ferdinand Magellan to Albuquerque. Earliest one is dated just a few weeks after the floor sank. So? So Magellan served under Albuquerque during the conquest, but history tells us that's the last they saw of each other. Unless... Holy shit, Sully, do you know what this means? Kid, whenever you start doing this, nobody knows what you mean. And I think the other thing is that, you know, one of the other appeals to casting Tom Holland and something like this is that he is an athletic chap. And, you know, there are bits and pieces in this where he does a, has a little spring in his step, does a little leap. He can pull off those sort of moves and sell it when it's a kind of like a kind of scrappy moment or, or whatever. And I agree, a lot of it is surrounded by CG and, and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, there are certain bits where he, he does that. But then I sort of think, yeah, but, like, I'd much rather be watching Jackie Chan do that. Like, there's this bit at the auction house where he's, like, dangling off the lights. And it's 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 not quite, but it, it all I, I can think of is the bit in Police Story where Jackie Chan, like, slides down this pole of light bulbs completely horribly injures himself in the process as you see in the in the credits sequence afterwards but i just kind of feel like i've seen jackie chan do bits and pieces and i'm never not impressed by yeah i by that and here it's like yeah you have a little flip have a little kick have a little spin it's all good but it's it's just it's it's like diet versions of stuff i've seen before I mean, I would just sound like old men now, don't we? But I think <laughs> I feel like with Jackie Chan, he certainly couldn't do that anymore. But for probably for very good reason. But also, yes. um, I think the problem with a lot of his films, which like they're stunts films, but the amount of actual they they still market themselves as big stunt movies. But you kind of only really get that with the Mission Impossible films nowadays, because Tom Cruise is a producer and Tom Cruise is crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just a little bit, just a little bit meh when I'm watching. I mean, you mentioned like his relationship with Marky Mark, with Sully, aka Wario, <laughs> in uh, Wario sans the moustache, obviously, because of the whole moustache Sully controversy. Boy, howdy, they. I mean, shall we? Are we in spoiler territory? I feel like we've kind of. Well, I, I think we sort of like <laughs> jumped the gun. Um, Am I allowed I to talk about I... moustache? That's a spoiler point. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't know. Do we need to give a synopsis even? Um, let, I'll fi- if you've, okay. come, if Spoil- you've come this far. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm going to say a spoiler, <laughs> which is actually in the marketing, and then we can do a little bit of a plot synopsis, and then we'll, we'll talk properly about the film. <laughs> okay. I just, they did that thing where they, like, the, where they first showed Sully who iconically has a moustache, playing played by Marky Mark, who has no moustache. Like, the the fandom, capital T, capital F, flipped its lid. And so there was another trailer rushed out not long after where we have Sully arriving with his moustache, saying, you're going to, you know, I've got my moustache. And Nate is like, 
what's that about? And he says, you can grow one when you're older and all that jazz. That is basically one of the past, is it mid-credit sequences or end-credit sequences? Hey, put them down, boys. (laughs) What is that thing on your face? Puberty's right around the corner, kid. You can grow your own. Exclusively in movie theaters. But yeah, it's all about the mustache. And that just feels like that old member berries. It's like, hey, hey, don't worry. We've got your back. It's funny. We're going to be seeing like um, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 soon. And for some reason, like they decided not to have Jim Carrey look like Dr. Robotnik in the first one. And now he does. And everyone's a bit happier for it. Yeah, it's... Yeah, like that that whole uh, so yeah, I mean we are in spoiler territory, but <laughs> that that whole bit is, you know, right at the end of the film and I I'd seen that clip as you say in like a teaser trailer before the film was released and it just seems like I don't know, is 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 that the thing that's going to finally get people on board to see it? Like why reveal your your little sting? And again, it's like what I was saying about how the film at the very front talks about yes isn't it funny that tom holland looks young to be in this role but then you just like do the whole thing again with the oh look he's got a mustache now oh look he suddenly decided to wear colored and patterned shirts all of a sudden rather than khaki oh look he lights the smell of a cigar (laughs) there's a bit during the film where um tom holland puts on like his gun holster and then the music mm. swelled. Like, why the hell is that happening? Oh yeah, because <laughs> um, he'd been wearing his like grubby beige shirt from the. I mean, like he. The first shot they revealed of Tom Holland was like, wow, a really good cosplay, mate. It looks much better than I've seen in other video game movies. I'm looking at you, Resident Evil series, but um, still, he wasn't wearing those holes that holster. Then he puts on the holster and went. The music went. Um, yes, it played. It finally played the Uncharted nate's theme from the games so yeah yeah it was the equivalent of like oh the bomb theme kits in here yeah um so there was also this bit i mean since we're talking about fan service i guess i was watching it with a player of the games and then there's a bit after the big uncharted 3 action sequence um in which tom holland's hanging off the back of the plane and then he falls off the plane goes into the sea i think him and one of the other characters from the game is Chloe. They, they walk onto the beach and there's like, the camera just holds on this weird, weird American bloke just lying there on the beach. And then Tom Holland, he's, he, what does he say? He's like, hey, that sounds, what's happened to you guys coming out of the sea in your clothes? And Tom Holland says, I just fell out of a plane on boxes and crates. And he, just, he explains it all. And then Nolan North, for it is he, <laughs> says that sounds like something which happened to me good luck <laughs> and then uh my friend said he he, he leaned over and said that's no 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 he does the voice of nathan drake in the games and i was like yeah no shit it's <laughs> <laughs> like i've not played the games but that's it's just that i wanted i really want, was waiting to hear your response to that scene because it is very it is maybe the most egregious such cameo i can remember seeing because as soon as I saw him lying on the beach, I was like, oh, that's Nolan North. Yeah. Cute cameo. And then it's like, what happened to you guys? And then like, it's place what happened. It's like, okay, okay, you can stop like right there. And then it's just Herman like, and Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mr. Herman, Mr. Herman <laughs> to the front desk. But the whole that happened to me once things, it's just like, it's completely nonsensical. It makes no sense in the in the realm of the of the world of the film. And there are so many, there's like a million different <laughs> ways they could have handled that cameo mm. and made it like, you know, they're signing in at the hotel afterwards and they pit Sully's name. Just have him in the background as another guest saying like, Oh, you know, Victor Sullivan or something like that in the games. There's this little, um, I want to say an Easter egg, but it's like a kind of PlayStation trophy, but there's a couple of moments in the games where you just jump into a swimming pool and Nathan will say, Marco, and then wait for like a polo response. So, mm-hmm. you know, playing Marco Polo or something. And usually the territories would be like, get out of the pool. That's childish or, or that sort of thing. But, you know, just have, you know, Tom Holland as Nathan Drake swimming 
from the shore, made him say like Marco, Chloe's not interested, and then just had <laughs> Nolan North from the beach go polo, and then like it could just be like a little you know finger bang in a and a wink or something. That's already too much, yeah. but it's far better I mean, than whatever they did here. You mentioned the hotel. Just make him like the guest in front of the queue when Tom Holland's waiting for his room or something. It's just, yeah. again, this is what I'm saying when I feel like my problems with this film, it feels, okay, it feels like I'm being really negative and shitting on the film. I think the film was kind of fine. And actually there was a bunch of stuff I liked about it. I think I was about to say, I actually liked the relationship how the relationship between Nate and Sully builds and I kind of like how um, Nate basically evolves and becomes a true for want of a better phrase raider of the Lost Ark where he he now knows to trust nobody and he's actually best mates with Sully at the same time knowing he can't trust him and I kind of like that sort of tension I don't think Mark Wahlberg is very good performance wise a lot of the time but I still like that so I dug it my problem is more, again, just feels like this sort of fucking dumb movie <laughs> and this sort of reheated shite that we get sometimes and um, um, and just not trusting the audience to like have a basic someone in the background cameo. It has to, the film has to stop to acknowledge, yes, we got, we got Nolan North. And you know the film ends. I can't remember if it's the last scene or or yet another like credits scene. But you know, it turns out that apparently Nathan's brother is dead. But no, he cuts to a jail cell at, towards the end of the film. He's writing postcards to his brother. We don't see his face because the actor hasn't been cast for Old Sam yet. And it's just a real just tease. But it's it's completely plot adjacent and and like i've seen enough i'm not going to spoil this film i i've seen a trashy i'm not going to spoil the film but i've seen a trashy apocalypse movie involving the moon recently (laughs) and and not saying what happens but it it absolutely ends with a scene when a character tells another character this is just the beginning i'm like the plot was over man is it the sun next yeah i'd love it to be the sun it's another. You know, it's one of Jupiter's moons. It's one of Jupiter's moons. Um, but yeah, I said it's as dumb, and like I don't mind. Like, there's always the expression you have to turn your brain off. I feel like this film you needed like a full-on lobotomy <laughs> to enjoy this film. Like, case in point, the biggest Indiana Jonesiest bit of the movie is when Nathan and Chloe. Um, are underground going through all these sort of death traps and nightclubs to go <laughs> to get to a hidden door. No one knows where the door is. And then when they get to the door, like Sully is looking at them through a grate above. And I'm like, why didn't they? So you're telling me no one in history has like wondered what's down that grate and found this door. It's baffling. I think that's m- one of my biggest issues with the film is just how for every set piece or for every you know hurdle they have to overcome everything felt far too easy and nothing felt like a real challenge and they're Mm -hmm. able to get through the simplest of scrapes and solve the most basic of riddles you know like in the games you sort of even if maybe like the puzzle is not too difficult to solve there's usually a lot more effort put into it. You're like dangling off like a an oratory. What is it? I don't know. You know, those like a solar system style things, or you're like climbing up like uh, a church tower or, you know, there's just a lot more effort put into it. But here, yes, as you say, this like secret treasure they're trying to locate is barely underneath street level and adjacent yeah. to some pipes in a nightclub. Like anyone would have found that. And they, the, get inside, the... they get inside this, this temple and then what happens is I think is Chloe double cross Nathan and Nathan gets knocked out and when he wakes up Sully's standing over him again seemingly having got through that grate and, <laughs> you know. and like the, the, their main clue when they make their way to Barcelona is this image of a tree and it turns out it's like this image of a tree is an emblem on the church that they need to investigate, very prominently displayed. You could ask probably any Barcelona tour guide 
Mm-hmm. Hey, does this look familiar to you? Yeah, it's that church. Like, I mean, and, and like, also, like, we you know when they have to get on this cargo plane, they sneak in really easily, and they could also very easily escape, but mm-hmm. they just have to sort of say, you know, have to seek revenge, and then it creates a huge hubbub. You know, they managed to find the sort of galleons pretty sort of simply. And the only reason that they get the baddies back on their trail is because he's just, Nathan's just driving the speedboat, not paying attention to anything. It's just like, oh, let's follow him. There's just all these moments (laughs) where it's like, how do we get these people from A to B? And it's just like, I don't know, uh, really easily, I suppose. There just doesn't seem to be any kind of like, challenge to it and i was just listening to an interview with tom holland and he was talking about so they had these keys well these this these golden crosses which then double up as keys and then eventually they double up as compasses and he was just explaining that it took them weeks to kind of come up with how to solve where the galleon was and in the script it just said there's an x which marks the spot on this map and he was saying you can't have just an x on the you know, marks the spot, you know, this treasure that's been lost for 500 years. So they basically had to like retroactively decide what to do with these keys and then turn them <laughs> into these prop, prop compasses. And the way like the compasses move in order to get to the X is so like, uh, like it doesn't look like they were made for that purpose, even though they were supposedly meant to be. Is that when it just looks using like... like an ancient map, which also seems to be like one for one perfect of what the world is? Yeah, I I think it's just uh... and you know these galleons are also very they're Goonies style underground, but there's also like a big hole in the ceiling so helicopters could come down and pick them up. And yeah. you think with satellite imagery, you probably could have spotted a galleon, but and you know <sighs> just 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 shitting on this even more now. <laughs> you know, there's like Antonio Banderas. I'm surprised that he's going to be in Indy Five. Perhaps he thought he should be on Indy Five because he was sleepwalking through this film and then like i guess you know this is not without surprise they he gets um killed by his hench lady who i recognize from the chilling ventures of sabrina but um her character yeah, tati name... gabrielle is the yeah. actor she was also in the recent series of you and i, I like her as a performer and i liked her here yeah, she plays but... a sort of mercenary called joe braddock who is sort of a facsimile of a character called Nadine, who's an Uncharted 4, who's like this sort of leader of a small private mercenary army for hire. Um, so she's kind of the equivalent of that in here. So Tony Banderas is giving a speech about how this money is his bloodline. Again, he's yet another really rich guy who wants even more money. And I know that's every rich person ever, but it still feels like, why do you want five billion again? He feels like he's entitled to it because apparently this his family bankrolled Magellan's globe trotting. So this secret treasure is, you know, his birthright. It belongs to him. And yes, yeah. he doesn't need the money, but you know, it's all shiny gold. I mean, there's a on. scene earlier in the film where he's speaking to his dad, who's decided not to entrust his son with the money. And I leaned over to my friend, and was like, "He's going to die at the end of the scene, isn't he?" And he did. <laughs> <laughs> but as I said. Um, Antonio Banderas is giving a speech about how the money is owed to him and suddenly his hench lady slices his throat in the most bloodless throat slitting I've ever seen like, it was very PG-13 like the, there's a shot of it wouldn't be so bad if he just fell out of shot I thought okay maybe he's going to bleed out on the floor but when we, we look at him on the floor and there's just this red line of lipstick going over his neck like you're like I'm sure he's fine, actually. But what I'm trying to get at is that, okay, what I find, again, really frustrating is that, okay, that was a in-the-moment surprise. It doesn't change the plot one jot. The, yeah. you know, there's just it's just replacing an enemy with another enemy. It's just... I, I wondered, though, because Antonio Banderas caught coronavirus while shooting this film, oh. and he was offset for, like, three weeks. On it, he did an announcement actually on the 60th birthday saying, Sorry guys, I got coronavirus. Um, oh, man, I feel really bad but... now. Maybe <laughs> no, so I... all his bad acting was just like him working through coronavirus when he shouldn't be on set. No. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. I realized as I said that. Have you got coronavirus? <clears throat> no. Yeah, so I do wonder 
and you know maybe this is me just projecting but I do wonder whether like it was like oh I guess Antonio Banderas we can't delay the big finale mm-hmm. uh let's just reshoot it so we kill him off earlier on that might make sense because I don't know this um sorry I've forgotten the hench lady's character name again I'm gonna write it Braddock Joe well she like so we arrive at this boat and you know they do a quick search of the boat to see if Nathan and Sully are there and like they like a minute later they're like yeah they must have left <laughs> like you were definitely not hiding on the boat but she then says to one henchman be careful I don't want a single hole in my boat and five minutes later we're having like an action scene although no, five minutes later they're lifting these boats and you just think that would utterly destroy the boats. <laughs> these are these have been out in the open with rain coming down from that hole and you're lifting them up with ropes. You would destroy those boats. And they say, you know, just yeah. You just really have to shut your brain off to like a huge degree. <laughs> I think I think the yeah, the thing which um really frustrated me in in terms of like again stupidity was if we just go sort of back to the start the way nate and sully team up is nathan is working as a bartender uh doing sort of pickpocketing on the sly and he's got all these kind of smooth cocktail skills and sully spots him and basically pockets a business card in his pocket as you would um and uh Nate goes over to Sully's apartment and has this Magellan map which he saw as a kid with his brother Sam and it turns out that Sully knows Sam and that's the way to get him on board of this kind of heist to pick up this cross and the whole auction house heist again is something which is appears in Uncharted 4 but the issue with that is in that heist sequence there are three characters involved not just two and at the end of this kind of funny ha-ha where Nathan's trying to create a distraction, um, but it's taking too long because he's having a fist fight with a slightly racist idea of what a Scottish man is. <laughs> um, but um, he's having this fist fight. This distraction is taking too long to manifest and Sully is having to basically outbid uh, Santiago Moncada, played by Antonio Banderas. And, you know, that's kind of funny in, in that respect. But when the distraction does eventually happen with the, the lights falling down, etc., Sully swaps his jacket round so <laughs> that he looks like one of the auction staff mm-hmm. and very easily convinces the person who holds this valuable item, which everyone's been bidding millions on, mm-hmm. and entrusts it to him. And he walks off basically scot-free with the suitcase. And yet he was the other prominent bidder like everyone <laughs> everyone yeah. would have been watching and seeing sully yep, holding yep. up the flag particularly if you're one of the auction staff and then someone who looks identical to him but just so <laughs> happens to be wearing a red jacket is like oh okay sure two million going don't once, make me do this going twice and Sully, I think you're just going to have to buy that cross. Three million dollars it is. You better do something now. Go twice. And... Oh, this is going to suck! Oh, that was something. You're doing great. Hang in there. Hey, Trent. Addison wanted me to take that to the vault pronto. Thanks. Sully, where are you going? There's only one rule in this game, kid. Don't get caught. Yeah. The thing is about plot holes and, and people like and like canon and all that stuff. I mean, being like a Star Trek fan and or just maybe a movie fan, you don't need to over explain everything. And you could say maybe those staff who had the suitcase just weren't looking at, at <laughs> him doing the bidding. But yeah, you know The things with like there's different kinds of plot holes. There's plot holes which 
when you, you're watching the movie and you should be enjoying it and not really thinking about things which don't stack up. And then afterwards you're kind of like, oh, oh yeah, I guess, yeah, you know, sure. But you should be caught up in it and just swept up and just, you know, ignore these little bits and pieces. But when something like that, and repeatedly this film did that, just this, just these silly, silly bits, just staring <laughs> you right in the face, you really have to like, yeah, as you say, there's like switch off your brain and enjoy. And then there's just like, switch off your brain, remove it from your head, kick it down the stairs of the <laughs> cinema aisle and just, you know, wave goodbye to sanity and logic again. Mm, do fancy a Papa John's though. <laughs> so, again, it ain't a Sony movie without it's just, I saw Papa John's in the background. So I was like, okay, fair enough. It makes sense. Cause you know, we're in a city and I'm assuming Barcelona has a Papa John's. Oh, we're going inside. Oh, like, <laughs> A key, a keyhole for this magical treasure has been sort of sectioned off. I mean, I have actually been, I think, to like a McDonald's in Venice, and I've, and you know, they sometimes use some of the local color or architecture inside their stores. But then there's a fight in there as well. It's like, are we going to ever leave this Papa John's? Yeah. <laughs> I did not. Yeah, I did not expect such a high percentage of the Uncharted movie to take place within a papa john's and it's so sad that like they go all the way to barcelona or probably on set in um i think this is all actually filmed in studios in germany but they just like recreate this papa john's with like spanish architecture etc it's it's, although i can't think of papa john's anymore without thinking about not just the racism um (laughs) but there's that video where he's showing everyone around his mansion and Mm. inside his mansion he's got um these sort of like two, uh, the statue of these two eagles fucking just rotating oh in his God. lobby. And then someone just said like, after seeing his lobby in his mansion, I'm never going to make fun of Resident Evil games ever again. <laughs> <laughs> just with these like ridiculous statues and stuff. It's not the first bit of pizza product placement I've seen in cinemas this year. I saw Scream and they did that thing where um, someone's eating a Pizza Hut pizza but with that special box where if you open the lid, the logo is on the inside of the lid and also completely grease-free. I know for a <laughs> fact that pizza companies are very testy about their products being shown to leave grease in the boxes. Um, but yeah, you know, pizza, pizza, pizza. <laughs> uh, so we've got to the pizza conversation now in regards to Uncharted, but I'm just trying to think of other stuff like I, I feel like I'm repeating stuff slightly but you know I, I did like I did like how craven Sully was and but here's the thing actually when we meet Sully we're we're kind of meant to ex- imagine him to be kind of smart because he manages to trick the trickster he manages to pick the pocket of a pickpocket um and then like from halfway through he seems just completely to have dollar signs in his eyes and he seems really thick (laughs) um but you know it's a bit obvious but at the end of the film he's got a bag of precious gold in his helicopter and he has to there's a contrivance where he has to choose between saving nathan or throwing his bag of gold at the face of a goon and he chooses throwing the bag of gold at the goon but luckily nathan had lots of gold in his pockets which probably no no doubt made him extremely heavy (laughs) (laughs) Um. yeah i i I think because in in the games like there is that sense that yes they could maybe sort of double cross each other at any time but there is still like a you know warmth and respect Mm. and i get it this is an origin sort of tale so i know they're going to be like a bit cold to each other to begin with but it just felt like i don't really want to see that though i don't want to see two people who dislike each other and distrust each other for almost the whole film. It seemed like the switch was flipped pretty quickly when it came to him being nice to Nathan all over again. I don't know. It just, yeah, it did seem like cartoonish, his love of gold. Like it was like gold. He liked gold. He liked gold. Like that mouse likes cheese in rescue rangers. What was the name of that big fat one? Monterey Jack. Monterey Jack, that's the one. 
He likes gold like Monterey Jack likes cheese. And... Yeah, there was not a point where Mark Wahlberg was like levitating <laughs> through the air, I would entranced have... by the smell of gold. I would have really enjoyed that. <laughs> Uncharted 2, the smell of gold. <laughs> I mean, we've mentioned her a couple of times, but I know Chloe's a character in the games, but I felt she was given fairly short shrift. Um, yeah. Ma- mainly because, okay, so I liked how, I mean, I guess the whole reason Detra of Uncharted is that you can't trust anyone, and va- and if you if we're going to do a film about the origin of Nathan Drake, I guess I guess this is how he's learning not to trust anyone. It's like Casino Royale, how, <laughs> um, and so there comes a moment towards the end of the film where, having been double crossed already a couple of times by Chloe, um, Nathan works out the gps coordinates of the boats and writes it on a notepad knowing full well that chloe's gonna read read it but he puts the incorrect coordinates and so she takes a boat and leaves for i didn't realize the entire rest of the film (laughs) and it just seems a bit mean (laughs) means it means her character journey just stops in the game's I think they sort of play up the fact that she's just a bit more dangerous. Like by the time you meet her, there's already this, I think kind of past relationship or something, this history that you haven't seen between her and Nathan. So this is like, again, origins of that, but she feels a bit more, she's got like a kind of huskier voice in the game. She feels a bit more kind of like dangerous and like she would sort of like turn you in for an extra buck sort of thing. And you get that here and it turns out that she's been paid up by Moncada sort of from the get-go anyway. So it's not like this sudden betrayal, but, you know, she suddenly feels a bit guilty about the whole thing uh, later on. And it just feels a bit sort of like weak. I'd rather her sort of just have that kind of tritster thing about her and not have... She can't be all bad, uh, can she? She has, to, she has to be on the side of the Yeah, angels. but there's... A, there's a way for her to be all bad, but still like you want her to succeed or something, you know? And I just don't think this film has the confidence to, to really give us a character like that. I don't so again, know. Again, it's just ties back to everything else we've been saying. It just feels like a very, very safe film. Um, and again, obviously it's doing well. I still think Uncharted, the brand name is good enough. Um, because I just I think Tom Holland love I love him dearly. Um, I watched his uh, Umbrella lip sync battle video most months, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think he's quite the draw alone. But I think the combination of Uncharted and Tom Holland has, I guess, will lead to hopefully a sequel more in keeping with game character we know and love but when is he gonna look older (laughs) (laughs) they just need to give him some stubble or something i mean like at the at the at the very end so like in the sort of i will just sort of say like i really did enjoy the finale i really thought the kind of the pirate ship swinging through the air was actually a really great set piece and it's it's sort of the my issue with the film is that i know it's origins etc but I was just waiting for it to feel like Uncharted. And it finally did Mm. in that moment because it was just a crazy fun sequence. It has this, the appeal of this sort of swashbuckling pirate adventure, but everything's flying through the sky. But it's quite the image. Two galleons combating in the sky, being hung hung from helicopters. So I sort of feel like they came up with a sequence and thought, this is amazing and we'll work our way back from that. And nothing, you know, it's good that obviously they didn't sort of make that sequence the main thing because then there'd be something weaker to come with it. So it finishes strong in that respect. So I am, I I would be interested to see what happens next. I know the director has mentioned, you know, he'd like to do a sequel as they always do. Although he's also mentioned that he'd like to make a Jack and Datster movie. Um, So he's keeping his you know, options open for his naughty dog adaptation. He likes being paid. <laughs> he likes being paid. Um, but I also thought it was funny. So like in that end credit sequence, um, the shirt that Tom Holland as Nathan Drake is wearing is also the sort of 
same shirt that he wears as a teenager when he first meets Sully in Uncharted 3. And as the credits were rolling, it said, also starring like Pilo Asberg. And I was like, I didn't see him in the movie. Where was he? And lo and behold, he appears in the mid-credit sequence with an eye patch. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess he's there. That sometimes happens. I mean, again, because the moustache had featured in the um, in the trailers, as the pirate ships were swinging around, I was like, well, when's he going to get his moustache? <laughs> and uh, yeah. Oh, I see. Oh my god! Sully! There has to be another keyhole up there somewhere that opens this door! I'm like literally in a Papa John's right now. Found it. Excuse me, guys? Oh. Hand it over, Victor. Give me the cross. Sully! Hurry! Shut up. I'm working on it. I'll shut up when you get us the hell out of here! Sully, if you don't turn that damn key, we're gonna drown! But it's gonna take a little longer than I thought, kid. Overall, I didn't like it very much. <laughs> I think it was just pretty flat. Pretty unexceptional i i actually enjoyed the sort of start where he is the bartender and i was just like oh maybe tom holland could just do like a you know a remake of cocktail or just have a bartending movie or something i don't know because that like north allows him to be been, north could have been at the bar but no yeah, they had exactly. to have that weird scene when he just again not know imagine if you didn't i mean i just imagine if it wasn't nolan north is what i'm trying to say he just has a, stops and has a conversation with some rando on the beach. It, it made as much sense as the bit in Hot Shots Part Deux where Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen are on boats passing each other. Mm-hmm. And they just pointed at each other and said, I loved you in Wall Street. Yeah. And then just disappear. That works if you're making like a spoof <laughs> comedy movie. It doesn't work if you're trying to create something at least semi-grounded in reality. Yeah, maybe we're just taking this too seriously, Rory. Yeah. Yeah. I um yeah. for me it was not uncharted, it was uncharted. Which actually means he hasn't sharted, so maybe I'll scratch that. But save it for the sequel. <laughs> yeah, I mean I guess as we sometimes find, again, not always, but we find lots of great video game movies. I think this did just the bare minimum across the board, and as much as I like that pirate ship fight and, and the relationship it feels just like by it feels very by the numbers. Like Tom Holland's in it because Tom Holland's Sony's sort of golden boy right now. Uh, it got the director because you know he's just Sony's Brett, Sony's version of Brett Ratner right now, <laughs> which feels really <laughs> mean because I freaking love Zombieland. But I think um, despite the fact, I was going to say despite the fact it was so difficult to make, maybe just by the time they finally got here. They sort of they just pulled themselves across the finishing line in any state they could, and I guess I guess I guess now they have the composite bits in place. Perhaps they can have more fun with the second one. Yeah, I agree. I, this feels like them really trying to just like force something out. It's just like oh, <laughs> finally we're we're done with Uncharted. And we can pick up and sort ourselves out and get yeah. ready for part two. Just don't look at it too closely before you flush it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. But hey, onwards and upwards. We'll be getting a sequel at some point because it's done so well. And that's how cinema works nowadays. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the next IP we're going to talk about, though. <laughs> and I will just say, play the Uncharted games, guys. Yeah, They're good fun. Yeah, well, well, this, this hasn't, hasn't turned me off playing the games because, as I said, from what I've seen, they do look a lot of fun. They do seem fairly um, quick time event reliant, but you know, Resident Evil Four is one of my favourite ever video games, and that's got a lot of quick time in it. So, shows you what I know. I'd sort of say, like, you know, you might as well play the first. You might as well play them all. But Uncharted Two is probably my favourite of the bunch, and uh, then four. Then three, then one. One's probably the least good, but that's just because it's like an older style game. It's very just like shooty shooty. Um, shooty shooty. Yeah. <laughs> you had it first. Right. Well, um, <laughs> until next time, how can people keep in touch with games on film? 
Well, you can find us online at gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast and on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at gamesonfilmpod. You can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. And unfortunately, we do not accept postcards written <laughs> from jail. Although I will just mention, like, do we need to have Sam narrate all those postcards? Blimey, I thought that too. Let me just read it. But no, it's like... Although according to like this whole trick that they do with the with the lighter and things, uh, my wife told me that a friend of hers tried to do invisible ink with the same sort of concept, like put it up to a candle. It doesn't work on postcards because they're laminated, mm-hmm. so it wouldn't have worked in this dang movie either. Yep. So the secret message sent by his brother on the postcard, he probably just burnt the postcard up, and I thought, <laughs> oh bugger. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you can't contact us by postcard, but you can send us an email via the miracle of gmail and you can also contact us individually on twitter i'm at rory Steele. just speaking about postcards he that <laughs> final scene he's like he's i guess when you go to jail in whatever sort of country he's in you get one one phone call and infinite postcards from and various, all the invisible ink you could need and all the invisible ink you can need and from every kind of conceivable important worldwide location you can travel log to maybe That's he's it. not maybe he's in like an airport jail maybe <laughs> but yes i am at only man who can on twitter and all episodes of the podcast can be found on soundcloud apple Podcasts, spotify acast indeed wherever you get your podcast so please like rate review share and subscribe and the music was composed by david lightfoot right well it's been as always, a pleasure talking about this film, even if we didn't find the film so great. But better luck next time. <laughs> I <laughs> hope you can see your Tom Holland sleeping on your millions of dollars <laughs> with Zendaya. <laughs> um, I've been Harry. I have been Rory. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.